Well, if you don't mind, I want to share. I like um, to tell stories, so I'd like to share a story, but also kind of, I always find that the, the journeys in life kind of lead you to, um, at least for me, the journeys in life kind of lead me to lessons to be learned. God teaches me lessons through journey. Anybody else get that? I know you do. I've heard a lot. About, and I saw, I saw a really cool Instagram with a baby inside of a pen, and they put a goat inside of the pen, and the baby was screaming at a certain frequency, and the goat did the same frequency, and the baby just stopped and looked like, you stole my thunder. I thought of you, though. Just because I know you're, I thought you would enjoy that. I didn't know how to get it to you, though. It was really funny. But anyway, I get uh, stories. I get a lot of stuff from stories and experiences and journeys, and I'm sure you do, too. Sometimes you don't pay attention. It's there for you, but we have to pick it up sometimes and, and realize it. Um, before I do that, though, this morning was great, right? Praise and worship was great. Did you all know uh, Vince Gill and Amy Grant joined us this morning? Yeah, you didn't notice that, did you? That's great. That's great. Yeah, there was a little Vince Gill in the background in the middle of all that. We've had some fun this morning, and so the part-time audio guy that I am has been working in the back trying to get y'all to where you can see stuff and hear stuff and, and also the streaming so they can hear stuff. But if they couldn't hear it at the beginning, they can now, so you can text them, say it's live, it's good, they should be all right now. But uh, there was something that came across because I, I kind of went around the whole setup and did a kind of a makeshift setup, and somehow or another, uh, some music came up with Vince Gill, and so... Right at the end of the, right at the end of praise and worship, I'm like, what is it? Ryan and I look at each other, we're like, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. There's some music going on. We look over at David, and he opens up the computer, and I was like, pull up that, pull up. Vince Gill, turn it off, turn it off. I'm not sure what he's singing, but it's not probably appropriate for what we're doing here. So sorry about that. If I'm not perfect in every, is anybody perfect in here? Go ahead and raise your hand. We'll make fun of you. So I want to, uh, I just got a couple pictures. If you don't mind, I'm going to share this, this uh, story. And I'm so sorry Larry's not here because I'm going to talk about him. So we'll record it somehow or another. Somewhere in here there's a paper. Um, can you pull up that first slide? Let's look at that first uh, slide. So a couple pictures. You all remember the old days when you had the slide projectors and you go through the slides and you'd be like, people like, I want to show you my pictures, and the person presenting the pictures were more passionate about than the people that were sitting there. So I took that into consideration. I really narrowed it down from 250, just about 180. So we'll be here for a little bit, but I think you'll really appreciate it, yeah? Not really. It's really short, I promise. But um, get to the paper. Yeah, it's really pretty, isn't it? So a couple weeks ago, um, uh, uh, Cody and, and Luke... So Cody's my son, Luke's my son-in-law, got a chance to go up to Alaska uh, to go on a fishing trip. And so I got a couple pictures. I use my pictures in my own slide deck, so it was kind of cool. I do a lot of leadership meetings, and I did a leadership meeting this past week. And, of course, I have leadership principles from this. So I used my own pictures. It was kind of cool because I didn't have to buy them. You know, when you present, you have to buy pictures. I didn't have to buy my own pictures. I got to just pull them and use them. So it was kind of fun in that regard. And there's some really pretty pictures here. But we got a chance a couple weeks ago to go on this, this trip. And um, it was, you know, one of those once-in-a-lifetime type of trips, something that you look forward to, fantastic trip. You got to experience and see things that you've never experienced and, and seen things before. And, uh, and, like, I've taken aptitude tests and things of that nature, and I score really high on um, um, trying to do stuff. Uh, adventure, thank you. I almost had Sandra up here speaking with me today, and it really would have been helpful, but she was working the kids' class. 
Working the kids' class. How's that working right now? Kids doing okay? <laughs> They're doing great. Anyway, I scored really high on adventure, so I was really looking forward to this, uh, you know, getting a chance to go out there and trying something different, something I've never done before. I love to fish. My son loves to fish. I think Luke had fished. Um, so we had a... <laughs> hey, Luke. Um, <laughs> I think that was true. Uh, we had we had a great experience, though, in going out there and trying this, so it was, it was kind of an adventure. So we're getting ready to go on this adventure. And so, you know, I, I put this, you know, life's journeys uh, continually growing from your experience. And like I said, every opportunity I can, whether it's a, a trip like this or whether it's a work experience or whether it's, you know, something at home or whether it's something with my wife or whatever, I learn from stuff and I grow from from those experiences, and I'm always maturing in those areas. And so I found, you know, right off the bat, this is an opportunity for me to mature in, in some ways. So we, we get prepared, and I'll talk about some of the preparation we did and all that, but we get on this trip, and um, we fly in to Ketchikan. If you guys know where Ketchikan, you probably heard of it, Ketchikan, Alaska. And then from Ketchikan, we're supposed to take this um, little plane, uh, little float plane, they call it a beaver, so it's like made in the 50s, literally made in the 50s, beaver that it, you fly about 100 miles and then you land on the water and you're at this place. This place we're going to stay at is like a floating cabin system. In fact, um, the Built in Alaska did an episode, like eight episodes on them and their, their big main building that they built out there. But it's floating. It's like massive pontoons all aligned together with these floating cabins. It's really cool and kind of back in a cove, real peaceful. And so we're taking this, you know, this, um, this float plane out there. Larry has a great idea that we'll, we'll take these beavers because they're a little bit more edgy and scary. So, you know, kind of up the adventure. Am I right? I'm right. So, he, you know, because normally they have a commercial float plane that fits like, you know, 11 people. It's bigger. It's nicer. It's newer. It has instruments. You know, you can read. Larry's like, no, let's take the, uh, the beaver planes. They're like older. They don't have instruments. They fly by sight. Maybe we'll get there. And then, and then he goes on to tell the story of, like, when you're taking off and you're going across, you go down the channel and you go over the mountain pass. And as you go over the mountain pass, look down because one of the beavers didn't make it and you can still see the wreckage. <laughs> this is why Larry should be here because Melanie could elbow him a couple times. This was our guide, by the way. Larry was our guide. That's always fun to hear those kinds of stories before you get on the beaver plane. So we get to catch a can. And we spend the night, well, here, let me back it up even on the spending the night at Ketchikan. Because, you know, when you go to Alaska, people are always like, well, did you see eagles? And did you see whales? And did you see bears? And did you see, you know, everybody kind of asks, did you see all those things? Well, that night, we stay at Ketchikan because you never know what the weather's going to be like. So in Ketchikan, as we're sitting there, actually, Melanie's son was there. Melanie's son and his friend comes in. This is late at night, like 1130. They're coming into the foyer. We just happen to be in the foyer getting some water, my son and I. And he comes into the foyer, and he's like, hey, uh, ma'am, there's, um, there's a bear in the hallway. You might want to go get the bear. And these two ladies were like, again? And they just, like, walk on down the hallway, and it turns into this comic hour of these two girls chasing this bear. And the bear goes upstairs to the second floor. This bear can climb, bears can climb stairs pretty easy, guys. And, and we're all just sitting there watching a video and it going, is this really happening? And then they come down. The girls come down. They're like, you chased it the wrong way. I told you when we do this, you do it this way. And we're like. This is a normal occurrence. So I got to see a bear in the hotel going through the hallways. So whoever was on the second floor, I guarantee you, if they opened the door and that bear was coming out, they were passing out because that hallway was really small. So it was, we saw a bear. But then uh, the next day, we, we wake up, and the weather, sure enough, it's foggy. 
remember what I said, we're going to fly on planes that don't have instruments, so you can only fly by sight. <laughs> Adventure. <laughs> Here we go. So um, we, we have a little bit of uh, delay uh, in getting out, and then it kind of reworks itself. Larry does his magic, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, we're taking off. But it's still foggy, so we're, we're taking off. But we can see at least the water area. We can't get over the mountain pass because it's too foggy. So we, just, we, we decide we're going to go down the waterway, the channel, for a while because uh, the pilot could at least see that. So we get in, and this plane is the coolest thing. And, and Luke, uh, my son-in-law's, you know, into aerospace engineering, and he's a mechanical. So he super enjoyed it. They put him in the cockpit with the, the pilot, which is great, except for there are controls over there that can actually control the plane, too. So we're like, Luke, keep your feet off of stuff and keep your hands off of stuff, and we're good. Um, but we had a good time. We went down, and we landed just fine. And then we had to take a, a, a car across the island because we couldn't fly over the island. We took a car across the island. Uh, and then we got in a boat. And then the boat took us the rest of the way. So it was kind of like planes, trains, and automobiles, except we didn't have a train. We had a boat. So it was fun, though. We had a blast doing it. We got to see different parts of, and I will tell you this, the roads on that little island are better than most roads here. They were amazing. But we, we got to see some different things and, and kind of get in there. But the part that we get on the boat, and I really promise I have some scriptures here too. But when we get on the boat and we're going to the place, we have a nice little boat ride. As we're coming into the, the sound, this place is called Sea Otter Sound. When we come into the sound, and the sound opens up to the ocean. So it's like here's the sound, and then there's like Japan. And so we're in the sound. And as we go to the sound, you know, all the, we have two boats. And the, our, our guy who's kind of driving the boat, the captain of our boat, is like, this little area right here that you see, you see that area? It's called Clump Island. He's like, Clump Island is the most important thing you can remember out of everything you hear because Clump Island is literally across from the lodge. So if you see Clump Island, you just know you have to turn and you go straight to the lodge. That's how you find your way home, Clump Island. You guys got that, Clump Island? And I'm like, yeah, no problem, I got it. That's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's, you know, we can see it. It's not a big deal. Well, I'm learning, right? So part of the journey, I'm, I'm starting to understand that literally the climate changes and the fog comes in and, and you, you, you do need a point of reference to find home. But even when we got to the, the facility, the first thing they did is they took us out and they showed us the sound, like took us on a boat ride and kind of took us on a tour. And uh, once again, the guy went by Clump Island. He's like, this is the most important thing. You got to remember Clump Island. Clump Island is your way home. And so I'm like, all right, I got it. Man, everybody's like stuck on Clump Island. I get it. We're, we'll find our way home. But you can go to the next slide. This is important because I think, you know, when we're on a, on a journey like this, when you're on any kind of journey, it's important for you to know True North. You all know what True North is. There's been lots of books, lots of leadership lessons on True North, but True North is, is that point of reference on the earth that is absolute truth. It doesn't change. It's constant. It's continual. And so whenever you're in a journey, this is the fun part. I was telling Sandra about some of the stuff I was going to speak to. Whenever you're on a journey, if you're going out in the wilderness, you're checking your compass to make sure you're aligned to the direction according to True North. And you're checking it. I said, you check it often. You know, you check it every once in a while. She's like, how, like every six months? Or, and I'm like, man, if you, check, if you check it every six months, you're lost. You're dead. You're, you, you haven't made it. Because you, you, because you have, she was testing me. That's what she, she just said. But you have to check yourself on your journey to find out where you're going, what's going on, what's taking place. Am I still going? Where's my truth? And where am I to the truth? And how? How consistent is that truth for me in my life? Because if I didn't have a true north, if I didn't have, if I had something else as a point of reference, what happens when the fog moves in? Oh, it changes everything, doesn't it? It's a little harder to see when the fog moves in. So 
So it's a really cool. So I have this scripture, Isaiah. I love this scripture. I've mentioned this scripture before. Like the building, uh, 30 Rock, 30 Rockefeller Center in New York City has this scripture on it. If you didn't know that, the architects put it on the, on the building. Just a really cool scripture. But, you know, he will, and he will be the stability of your times, abundance of salvation, wisdom, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. The fear of the Lord. God is our true north compass. He's our absolute. He's our consistency. He's something that we can depend on. He doesn't change. He's always there for us. So in our lives, whatever your journey is, okay, whatever your journey is, you have to have God. You have to have the fear of God in your life. I love this. Um, I, I promise not to put up a bunch of scriptures, but I will say a bunch of scriptures if that's okay. And if you're taking notes, I will tell you this, that you can hear someone say something and you'll retain it 20% of the time. If you uh, hear it and write it down, it's a lot higher. It's like 50, 60% of the time. If you hear it, write it down, and then repeat it later today, you will remember it 80% of the time. So I encourage you not just to listen to the story. Stories help kind of retain things too, but listen to the story, but also write down. I only have like four or five points for you. It's not that big of a deal. You're not going to be writing a bunch. You're not going to run out of ink. You're not going to need but one page. Really simple, but just write down a few points and write down these key scriptures. I think there'll be something for you to meditate on. I think it's helpful. Uh, in your in your journey, whatever it may be today, whatever is going on this week, whatever is taking place, you all have your own journey right now. So number one for me, the most important thing is, once again, establish a point of truth, and God is. The fear of the Lord is that truth. It also says this in Proverbs 1-7, good scripture to write down. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs has a ton of stuff on fear. I love this. And Psalms as well. Psalms 19.9 says that the fear of God is enduring forever. Psalms 34.11 says it can be taught. We can be taught the fear of God. Psalms 111.10 says it is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 2.5 says it leads to the knowledge of God. Proverbs 10.27 says it prolongs life. That's all right. I'll take that. How many of y'all want that supplement? That's a good supplement to take. Proverbs 14, 26 says, it provides confidence and security. Proverbs 19, 23 says, it leads to life, satisfaction, rest, and safety. This is just point one. I'm good with that. I could end it right here probably. Proverbs 22, 4 says, it provides riches, honor, and life. Awesome. There's greatness in understanding the fear of the Lord. If you, if you get anything out of today's message, get that. Go dig into that. Dig into those scriptures. Think about, meditate on those, and ask yourself, how is the fear of the Lord your true north compass in your current journey? How are you using it? How does it apply? Meaning, if you're in a financial situation and you're having troubles or issues or concerns, what's the first thing you do? Do you go to God? Or do you try to figure it out? Do you go to God? Or do you go to your bank? Do you go to God or do you go to your work? Do you go to God or do you fight with your spouse? That's what we're supposed to do. If we have a health issue, what's the first thing we do? Do you go to the doctor? Do you go to your spouse? Do you complain? What comes out of your mouth? What's the first word that comes out of your mouth? So if you have a true north direction, a true absolute in your life that always helps keep you on track, no matter what obstacles come about, no matter what fog, financial health, you know, 
relationships, anything like that, no matter what fog comes about, there's always a true north in our life that helps keep us on the right path. Anyway, once again, those are some cool scriptures. Did you guys get those? Those are really good ones to go back to. Proverbs is awesome. The fear of the Lord is definitely my true north. All right, so we have our true north on this fishing trip. We have Clump Island as our true north. But the other thing that was given to us that was super important was a Garmin GPS. So we had a fish tracker as well as a tracker on the boats. Super important. So we're in this big sound, big area. You know, it could literally take you a good 45 minutes to get to one side to the other. And then if you broke the rules like Larry, you could go outside the limit. You could keep on going to Japan for a while. Uh, so you could you you could really go a lot further than 45 minutes is all I was saying. I was kind of wondering how like how much gas we had on the on the boat. I really didn't know. So, uh, but we went pretty far one time. Larry was kind enough to take us halfway to Japan. Um, in the the swells, we're on a 20 foot boat. Y'all do this physics in your head, okay? 20 foot boat and 20 foot swells. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Now, I didn't take, uh, but Dramamine, the first day I was in Ketchikan, I don't know why, I just took it. I was like, I'm looking at water, I need one. And, and so I, I took Dramamine the first day, but that was the last day I took it, and I actually got my sea legs. I felt pretty good, actually. And then I still had my sea legs three days when I got home. It was horrible. I even uh, texted Larry, I was like, when does it quit? The, the boat has to stop rocking at some point in my life. When does it quit? He's like, drink water, it'll quit today. And it did. So it, it definitely, I got my sea legs, so 20-foot swells weren't bad. But it's one of those where I'm following Larry in his boat. And, and you know, there he is. And there he, there he goes. There he is. And there he goes. Oh, there he is. There he is. You know, and you, you have to move directions because you can't, you can't really follow in a 20-foot swell. So it's, it, it was quite interesting. So they gave us these little uh, GPS Garmin systems. You know, it's kind of like having the Bible um, where you, you, can, you can actually understand your path a little bit better. And there was like a, a, a navigation, a trace. So if I was on the boat and I went to a certain point on the map, it, it traced me. And so if the fog came in and I couldn't see a thing, I could trace myself back, which was really cool. You know what it's like to go on a boat really fast and not actually see anything in front of you? And you know that there's whales that pop up? Guys, we saw like 25 whales. We saw whales popping up everywhere. So, And you're just like... I'm like intensely looking in front of the fog going, I'm, I know there's going to be one. I know there's going to be one. I'm going to, we were joking about it quite a bit because literally there, there were a lot of really cool uh, sites with whales and stuff like that. And of course, the adventure in me sees a whale and what do I do? Oh, hey, let's go chase it. So I, I stop and I go chase the whale to try to get as close as we can, you know, to take pictures. And then when it goes under the water, you're always kind of like, where'd it go? Surely it won't breach on the boat. That would hurt it. It wouldn't. It would, think, it would think better than that. It wouldn't breach on the boat. And then we found this, you know, once again, an Instagram kind of thing afterwards where a whale breached on the boat. And, and Luke and Cody were like, I really think that was getting ready to happen to us. So anyway, we, we had some fun adventures like that. But the, the, the GPS was super important to us, and that tracking system allowed us to get back. A Bible is super important to us, and it gives a tracking system to help us get back to our true north. So just saying there's some correlations here. It's not just about fun and games on the fishing trip, even though it was really fun and we had a lot of game to catch, but we, we, we actually uh, learned some things from it. And so I think it very much applies to us today. So let's go to the next one real quick. And I, I, you know, I mentioned preparation. And I mentioned um, us getting ready for this trip. Another really cool picture. That's actually the 20-foot boat right there. Yeah, 20-foot swells. Um, so we, we had to prepare for this, right? Going to Alaska is a little bit different than the summer here in Austin. So 
like the weather is, you know, 50 degrees and rainy, and so it's cold, and the water's in the 50s, you know, so you're, you're literally, you know, putting on long johns, you're putting on, uh, it's raining a lot, and I, I didn't realize how, um, sorry if this uh, makes people upset, but I didn't realize how gory fishing was to this level, because, you know, I've, I've fished and I've done some stuff, but this is like, you're constantly bringing fish in and constantly hitting them on the head, and you're constantly pulling their gills out so they bleed to death so the meat's better. So there's there's literally like, is this, <laughs> yeah, so the meat's better that you eat. Yeah, so it, it's better that way. But it literally, like, it's like a blood fest. <laughs> so we found out that the pink salmon bleed a lot more than the silver salmon. Literally, like, we're just covered. So rain gear is definitely something you want to have. And the boys, uh, it was like, you know, it's not hot out. I'm not wearing my rain, or not cold out. I'm not wearing my rain gear. So the first day they didn't wear their rain jacket, they just had their nice little cotton hoodies on. You ever seen, like, blood just all over a cotton hoodie before and fish guts and everything else? Because the fish also do other things, too. That's kind of gross. But it, it's just disgusting. And so they didn't, they weren't, they, even though they were prepared and bringing their gear, they didn't wear their gear. You know, it's kind of like when you're given the word of God and you know what you're supposed to do and you don't apply it, you get a little, you get a little blood on you. You get a little bit of, and, and they, you know, they poop and they puke and they do all kinds of weird things. Fish do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, this wasn't really a G-rated uh, sermon today, so, uh, but it, it was kind of disgusting. But they had, the, they had the material, they just needed to wear it, put it on, put on. So, you know, I have this, this scripture, right? Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Y'all know there's schemes against us, right? Y'all realize that once you've, you've been given the word of God, the devil comes to try to steal the word of God. He, he tries to, to, to do that. In fact, there's a scripture. Look this one up. And you'll, you'll enjoy this one, too. Um, Hebrews 10.32 talks about that. When we're illuminated, when we're enlightened by the word of God, the devil immediately is going to come to take it away. And if we're not, we have the clothing, we have the armor of God that's been given to us. But if we don't put it on on a regular basis, we're, we're going to have opportunities where we get impacted in a negative way. Just like the boys, when they weren't putting on their gear, even though they brought it with them, they had it in the boat. But they didn't put it on. They were still impacted because of that, making the decision that get so caught up in what was going on that they didn't readjust themselves and get prepared for what was going on. So life presents that opportunity where we can get so consumed and get so caught up and get tangled. That's another scripture. I'll give you another one here. You can look this one up too. Another one on untangling from the world, 2 Timothy 2.4. Check that one out. We need to untangle ourselves from the world so that we can concentrate on what the plan is, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to be prepared, how we're supposed to even mend. That was the other thing in the fishing trip when we went out. You know, it wasn't just about having everything like the tackle. Think of the tackle. We, we got all our tackle together and we went out and we thought we knew what we were doing when we were fishing. And then guess what? Fish change in their appetite. Fish change in what they're looking for. And so you have to adjust. You know, the bait we were using one day was not the same bait we used the next day. And so there was a mending that had to take place and an adjustment that had to take place in order for us to maximize our goal or in order for us to maximize our target. And so that's one of the things God gives us all kinds of scriptures and all kinds of things to live by and some things we need today and some things we'll need tomorrow. And so we need to know how to apply the word of God in our lives. Now, don't just, just throw stuff out, but actually know what you're, you know, understand, have God give Revelation to you. The Spirit will come and give us revelation upon which we know how to use and apply the things we're reading. And so when I read my Bible on a daily basis, preparing for myself, I'm asking God, give me some insights, give me some understanding so I know how to apply this and where and when to apply it. Because 
the devil's scheming against me. He's trying to take what I have learned today, and he's trying to take it away. He's trying to counter me. He's trying to entangle me into the world of what the complications are going on or maybe my journey, some of the obstacles, maybe the fog that's setting in. He's trying to distract me in some way. But I got to go back to the truth. I got to go back to what I've learned. I got to go back to, you know, what he's instructing, what he's leading me, what he's guiding me with on today. It's good stuff, huh? So, so we're 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 adjusting uh, our tackle. The fun part of the story was when we were in Ketchikan and we were kind of going uh, to get prepared. One of the things we did is we went to a tackle shop and getting a little bit of extra, you know, tackle <laughs> so we could be prepared. And there's a, the, the guys apparently on this fishing trip, this is like the best season to go fishing for like certain types of fish. So the coho salmon or the silver salmon running in season, awesome time to go fishing for them. Halibut in season, great time to go halibut fishing. Uh, you have pinks running. You have different fish that are running during this period. So it's like a great period to go fishing. And like these hardcore, hardcore like Larry, hardcore fishermen are out there this week. There's 20 of us. And so I feel so much like a rookie with these 20, you know, or 17, I guess, veteran fishermen that are like intense. And so we meet them in Ketchikan and we're at the tackle shop with them and they're they're telling us, to, you know, this works the best. You got to have this. And by the way, halibut fishing, you know, halibut, y'all seen a halibut, right? They're huge. They're like as big as me. Just a little bit wider. I know I'm wide, but it's a little bit wider than me. And and they're, they're you know, they can get to the record I think there was like 400 pounds. So you're bringing up a 400, pit, 400 pound fish. And most of them that these guys are trying to catch, the goal is to always get over 100 pounds. That's, that's kind of, they get a, a little, you know, thing on their hat when they get a 100-pound fish. And so it's kind of like, ooh, yeah, I did it. So these guys are kind of into that as well. Well, the guys that were at the, one of the guys that was at the shop, he's totally into halibut fishing. That's all he focused in on. So he's telling us, here's what you need to buy. Here's what you need to get. Here's what you, $400 later. Yeah, well, guys, we didn't get any halibut. Um, but I had some really cool halibut tackle. It's really pretty. I thought about hanging it on the wall, like, you know. It's really cool. It's, it's neat stuff. But luckily, I uh, was able to take a lot of it back and get a lot of that money back on the backside of uh, Ketchikan. So. But anyway, you, you are preparing. You're getting ready. What do you need? What do you need clothes-wise? What do you need, you know, tackle-wise? What do you need? Even food. Think about it this way. One of the cool things this place did was it was self-guided. So I probably should have said that. We're on our own. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, me and Cody and Luke on our own on a boat in the sound and the ocean. And uh, you're, you're on your own fishing and figuring out to tackle yourself and all those kinds of things. But one of the things they did for us is they provided food, great meals in the morning, 6 a.m. You had to eat together, and 6 p.m. you had to eat together. And so you always had to be back. And, yes, you actually go fishing before 6 a.m. and then come back. So you start pretty early. But you are in Alaska, and there was like two or three hours of darkness. That's it. So it's actually pretty light at 4 a.m. But we would go out, and then we'd come back. And what was really cool is in those sessions where we were eating, people were sharing. They're like, hey, you know, um, this is what worked for me. Go to this spot. You might want to use this kind of tackle. This is how I did it. This is, and everybody's like talking to each other and helping each other kind of get to the goal, which was really cool. Kind of think about the, the body of Christ does that for each other. Like, this is what you should work on. This is what you should work on. This is what, you know, really you need to learn how to drive in black ice. But, you, you know, you, you find ways of, of helping each other and, and really developing each other in different ways. And that's what those guys were doing for us is they were working with us and helping us. And, and helping us develop our technique and our ability. And they were using uh, sound information. And that, as a body of Christ, is what we use. We use sound information to share with each other so that we can help people get back. Sometimes we need help getting back to our true north. 
Sometimes we need help in understanding the target. Sometimes we need help in understanding what works. Some, some of us need help in our journey of how to tackle an issue. So encouragement and, and a buildup. It's like personal development in that journey that's taking place. And so that, I thought that was just a really cool part of what was going on. Next slide. Let's go to this one. This is a good picture, too. Um, so you got to know your target. Yeah, that's legit. I almost ran into that. Um, so Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Sometimes I think we lose track with so much stuff going on in the world today, this fast, fast food, I call it, mentality that we have. We sometimes forget that what are we doing here? We're seeking we're seeking first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to us. Man, we get it backwards sometimes. We go for all the other things, and then we look to seek God. And we're out of order in that perspective. And so we had to reset. When this fishing trip, our target, as we started out, we were talking to Larry. Larry built us up, and we felt like we could do this. Our target was we wanted to go out, and we wanted to get two boxes of fillets for each person coming home. So that's 100 pounds of fillets for each of us. So that's bringing home 300 pounds of meat. That was our goal. We want to bring home 300 pounds of meat. That's a lot of fish to get to 300 pounds of meat. For every fish you catch, you really only get about 40% of the weight. So that'll help you understand how much fish you have to catch to get to 300 pounds of fillets. A lot. So we had a strategy. The, the silvers were in. The silvers like the best uh, that you can eat when you, you know, like you're grilling or whatever. And so we really were going after the silvers. And there was a limit. We had to know our limit. We had to understand, uh, you know, the rules upon which we were operating. And the limit was six per person. So we could get six per person per day. So that was always our goal was let's go after the silvers. Let's get six per person per day. And then there was other limits on other kinds of fish. And we always thought if we get those, great. If we get our limit on the silvers, we'll go after the other ones. But our goal is to go after silvers, and then we'll let the rest of the stuff fly. If we get our silvers, we'll go after halibut. If we get our silvers, we'll go after black bass. That's another great fish to eat. So we just kind of had that rule set as we went out every day. So day one, when day one comes, so I told you that crazy ride into the place. So day one was a little bit uh, disrupted. We didn't have as much fishing time. So we go out day one. And we go kind of in a shorter area. We didn't want to drive in the boat forever. We just went closer to the, the place. And we're getting all our setup ready. And remember, our setup, you know, you're trolling. And we learned how to troll. We learned how to rig it. Larry was uh, nice enough to take us to Lake Georgetown, Cody and myself. And he taught us how to troll. And he taught us the rigging setup. And he taught us how chaotic it can be. And so he, he was showing us, here's how you do it. Here's how it's rigged. Here's the knots you tie. Here's, here's what happens when you get a fish on. There's actually a little bit of a, a dance almost that takes place, you know. The person catching the fish gets it into a certain point, and then they move back. The person that's going to catch the fish comes in with the net. They get on the end. You bring it in. It's simple. No problem, right? It's easy. So we're like in Georgetown not catching fish. We're just, play, you know, role playing. Yeah, no problem. Cody and I are like, we got it. That was funny, too, because Larry's so funny. When we were out there in Georgetown practicing, Larry's nice enough. He brought us, like, breakfast tacos. We had breakfast tacos. We are eating the breakfast tacos. Larry goes full throttle all the time. And so we, we, were, we were learning to do it. And we were going we to practice this for a little bit. And then we were going to go try to fish a little bit. And uh, he's like, all right, you guys got this down? We're like, yeah, we got it down. And uh, me, me and uh, my brother-in-law, Richard, were there. We were on the front of the boat. And uh, Cody was on the back of the boat. And uh, he goes, all right. And he just guns it all the way, full throttle. And I, we almost lost Cody off the back. And 
And then, and then Cody, I, I didn't see this. I just heard Cody say this. Cody's like, at some point, he turns around and he taps, he taps him on the shoulder and he's like, Larry, your tacos. <laughs> Larry lost his Yeti with all the tacos. <laughs> so, so luckily, we had eaten some, but that was like second round that just went. So, but it was a, he's always full throttle. So Co- Cody was just cracking up because he's like, one, he almost lost me, but he definitely lost the tacos. Anyway. So we learn all this, and we get all practiced up, and we're ready to go. We get there day one. We go out. The three of us, we're in the boat by ourselves. We set it all up. We teach Luke how to do it. And we sit there, and we're trolling. It's real pretty. This is really, this is really, oh, that was an eagle. Did you see that? Oh, whale. When do we catch fish? (laughs) So we caught one. Um, That was it that day. So we didn't reach our limit the first day. We caught one fish, and you're kind of re- re- resetting expectations. Are we still going to get 300 pounds of meat, or are we getting like three <laughs> pounds of meat? We caught one. Although it was cool, kingfish, you can only catch one per person per year. So it was a kingfish. Uh, we didn't know for sure um, the size regulation, so I'm pretty sure it was the right size. At least that's what the guy said when we came in, so we were good with that. But we got one fish that day, and that was it. And so, you know... You're hoping that everybody else had bad luck, too. And so you're at the dinner table, and you're like, how many fish did you catch? We only got eight. And we're like, well, it's better than us, you know. Someone else is like, yeah, we only got like 12. And we're like, okay. <laughs> anyway, there, there was another a couple that was a rookie couple that was a little bit older than us. And we were like, how many did you guys get? And we were hoping they said zero, and they were like three. And we're like, okay, yeah, we were the worst. So that's terrible. So, you know, we, we're, we're kind of learning and we're kind of adjusting. And, and, um, but our, that was our target and that was our set. Now, the good thing was Larry came with us the next day and kind of got us going. The funny thing about this, once again, Larry's hardcore. And one of the best parts about doing this is like when you get a fish on all three poles at the same time, chaos takes place. Because, I mean, who's reeling what and who's catching what and who's helping with the net and who's got what. And the fish... They, it's not like the fish stay in their own lane. You know, the fish isn't like, oh, I got the left side. I'll just roll up to you here on the left side. No, usually what happens is they're like, oh, I see a fish on that side. I'm going to that side. And the one on that side goes, I'll go over here. And so you got your lines getting all tangled up as you're trying to hold them apart. And so what happens is the ensuing dance in the boat. So if your fish is moving, you're moving with it. And if your fish is moving, you're moving under. And if you've got, the, who's got the net? I don't know. And Larry's sitting in the driver's seat driving the boat laughing the whole time. So, you know, this is our first time to get three fish on, on three reels at the same time. We're all excited. We're all, it's all chaotic. I'm pretty sure um, I was bleeding more than the fish on the first go around. But, uh, yeah, it was like, blood's on the ground. Look, man, you, and I'm like, yeah, that's my hand. That was a hook. So, you know, you have those kinds of things taking place. And then um, we're, we're trying to get, you know, the net and all this kind of stuff. We, we, we had three on, and we never brought one fish in. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure Larry's uh, comment back to us was like, y'all are awful. You're really bad. And we're like, yeah, okay. And so, you know, you, you just, you got to reset, right? You got to re go back to the true north. Uh, what did you get taught? What was your instruction? How did you prepare? How do you leverage that? How many of y'all have ever been on a journey where you just, you kind of, you're bad at it? And, and whatever the situation is going on, you're like, man, I just can't figure this out. Teenagers, no. You're, you're, you're trying to, you're struggling trying to understand things. And, and sometimes you got to go back to the true north and say, okay, these, this is the preparation I had for this. And I'm going back to it. And it says, oh, yeah, okay, I got to cast my cares. <laughs> I got to reset myself. 
just a little bit. So we had those kinds of things. But the good news is we reset. That day, it was kind of cool. I think it was a little bit of a, a proud moment for Larry. He was pretty excited. We reached our limit in silvers for all of us, all four. So we ended up with like 24 uh, salmon plus like a bunch of uh, pinks and we ended up with some uh, black bass. Cody caught a link cod, which I should have put a picture up there. Nasty, ugly fish, huge fish. He thought he had a halibut. We're all excited, and he brings it up. And we're like, ugh. And, and Larry's like, oh, that's good to eat. And we're like, all right, yeah, way to go. Caught a bunch of fish we couldn't keep. You know, it was just interesting. A lot of poisonous fish. That was fun, catching the poisonous fish, and you're you're trying to get them off the hook without touching the poison, you know, in the, in the fins. That was fun. So we, we, we caught all kinds of things, and the experience that day was much better. We hit our target that day, and it felt so much better uh, to kind of hit our target. And so we had, to, we had moments, though, in our trip where we got a little distracted in chasing whales. We had moments in our trip where we got a little distracted in trying things we probably shouldn't have been trying. We got distracted in, you know, sightseeing. There were some really pretty areas. We got, we got a little distracted at times off of our target, and we had to reset ourselves. The other thing that always was a little bit hard for us is when you come back at 6 a.m. to eat breakfast and, you know, these dudes are pulling off these 100-pound halibuts and hoisting them up, taking pictures, and you're like, oh, let's go after halibut. And we're like, no, that wasn't our goal. That wasn't our goal. But we had to remind ourselves what we were good at and what we were prepared for and what we needed to go after. And don't be so envious of what they're doing. Focus in on what you're playing and, and your kind of position and what you prepared for. How many times in life do we do that? Oh, man, I really like what they're doing. Larry goes to Alaska every year. I want to do that. You know, it's like you've you got to reset. You've got a purpose and plan that's important, and we need to fulfill that. And so sometimes we get distracted by all these things. We've got to know our target and go after our target. So let's go to the next one. Only like 173 left. So execute, communicate, and adjust. I love this part because, man, you know, uh, when I, at work, when I'm talking leadership, I told you I used some of these principles in a leadership meeting this week. And that is the biggest thing when I'm talking to these engineers, when I'm talking to these salespeople, when I'm talking to these, I'm telling you, man, it's about execution. You, sometimes you set up a plan, you get yourself prepared, you know your true north, you know your guidance on, on how to adjust and mend when needed. But man, sometimes you don't just execute it. Have y'all ever found that in a journey that you're on where you just don't execute what you know? You can say it even. Like, have you ever been around where you can recite the Word of God? <laughs> but then you're like, why am I not following the Word of God? It's one thing to cite it. It's another thing to act upon it. And so that was part of it we had to do was we had to, we had to, actually, we had to actually act upon the plan, act upon the preparation, act upon the mending, actually do the mending. We had to, you know, understand uh, what, what had been given to us and how we were set. We need to understand the word of God, what's been given to us, how it applies to us as the Holy Spirit leads, and then how, how do we follow it? How do we execute? Communication was key, too. I told you about the, the opportunities for those guys to kind of give us instruction and kind of give, you know, back and forth instruction. That was super important. We had radios on the boats, and on the boats, we would we would talk to each other. We would, we would say, hey, and it was always fun because the... The, uh, the place we stayed at, they, they wanted to make it secret. So, like, the name of a spot, like I told you, was Clump Island. Instead of calling it Clump Island on the radio, we'd be like, C. And, and you know, another one would be, like, um, Port Alice. That would be B. And so, you know, we had different numbers, and it was code because when you're fishing out there in the sound, there's uh, commercial trollers, and then there's, uh, you know, uh, commercial guides that come in. 
And so if you tell somebody, hey, I'm catching a lot of fish at Clump, you know, all of a sudden everybody's at Clump, like literally everybody, all the commercial fishermen, everybody's at Clump, and it just got real busy real quick. So they had this kind of even way of speaking to each other. How many of y'all know God has a Holy Spirit that speaks a little unique to us? And it's for us. And it's not necessarily for everybody to hear sometimes how he leads us and guides us. So he has his own unique way of speaking to us. And we have to listen to it. We have to understand it. It was one thing. I was on there, and he was talking to me one time. I was boat four. He's like, boat four, blah, 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 because Luke was leaving a day early. And they wanted to confirm, you know, the fish that he caught. Is it going with me or is it going with Luke? So they're like, boat four, we need to know, blah, 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 blah. Man, I am so into whatever we were doing, I didn't pay attention. Boat four, and someone came back, and boat four ever answer? And I'm like, oh, that's us. <laughs> we're boat four. Used to buddy, you know. But so I was, you know, I had to respond. I had to pick. I wasn't paying attention. Uh, you know, sometimes we don't pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes someone else comes in and says, did you, did you listen? Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, we had that on the boat. So we had the opportunities to kind of shape up and, and communicate. And, and even in our own function of working together, if we, we, we always yelled, fish on the left, right side, center. I got the net. I got the boat. I'm going to stop the boat. I'm trolling. I'm not trolling. I got it. Pull this. Grab the fish. Hit the hammer. Get the hammer. Get the hammer. Hit it. You know, it's like, get your hand off the hook. We had different, but we were always talking and always communicating, much like a sports team would. Like if you're in basketball, they always say you got to be talking all the time. What's going on? What's taking place? That's part of the game. That was part of us. That's part of our journey is we have to be communicating to God. If you're not talking to God every day, you're hooking yourself. It won't work. You're not catching the fish. You, you, ha you have to pray. You have to read the Bible. You have to be communicating to God. If we went out there and we didn't have the communication, mm -mm, we wouldn't have been as successful in our endeavors. And I'll tell you what, too, the, the other piece that's, that was nice was they would even point out when you saw a whale in the water, it meant the whale was eating the krill. The krill, you know, there's fish and there's little fish, there's big fish. And so it, whenever you saw a whale, that was a good sign there's fish in the area. And so they would even point that out to you. Hey, there's a whale, you know. And, and then you, you would find out the area and you kind of understand where to go to. So it was fun. Even one day we had um, uh, Larry turned us on to something. We had a hard time catching the, 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 the black bass. Black bass is a rockfish that sit at the bottom. And if you're not fishing at the bottom, we were doing a lot of trolling, so we were up at the top a little bit more. Uh, but if you're not fishing at the bottom, it's hard to catch the black bass. We wanted some black bass because it's really good to eat, and so we were trying to catch it. So Larry turned us on. There's a school. He's like, there's a school of black bass. Drive up on it, and you'll see it. And so we drove up on this, and we see them. They're up on the surface of the water, and we're all excited. We're like, yes. So, you know, we're not quite the seasoned, mature fishermen. So, of course, we're like, pull out the fly rod. This will be fun. And so, you know, you don't usually fly rod in the ocean like this, but we decided we would try it. So we, we got, and the fly rods are a little bit more flexible. You can break them a little bit easier, that kind of stuff. So we're now fly fishing in the middle of the ocean for these black bass that are sitting on the top, and we're nailing them, just one after the other, so fast that we're just basically dropping them in the boat, throwing out, catching another one, dropping them in the boat. We're not even hitting them. They're flopping everywhere, We, you know, and our limit's like 15, so we're just going as fast as we can. And then the fish would go down, and then we're like, all right, where'd they go? And then they pop up 20 yards over here, and Cody's driving the boat. Cody's like, you know, we're, we're at 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and he drive the boat over, and we're all of a sudden, we're casting again. Me and Luke are catching more fish, throwing the fish in the boat. Got fish everywhere, just... And so this is fun. We're having a blast. 
But, like, there's a lot of other boaters, like, doing real fishing, trolling, and, you know, fishing the right way. We're fishing probably the wrong way, and everybody's kind of looking at us. And we keep on doing this, and then one time Cody's going towards it. It's like 12 o'clock. There's the school. Cody's driving up to 12 o'clock, and a whale breached right in front of him. He almost hit the whale. So we're, we're slowing down a little bit. We're doing it. But we're, we're all excited, so we're on the radio. That's another one on the fly. We caught a pink on the fly. We're, we're getting all excited, you know, because we're, we're doing it. But I'm sure we look, you know, hilarious to, to everybody else that's out there. So by day five, I will tell you, but the execution and the communication and our ability to adjust and be a little bit more agile in our approach, there were many more times where we had three fish on at the same time, and we landed them perfect. And one of the best ones, my favorite one, in fact, was, um, in fact, I, we ended our fishing trip landing three on at the same time. That's how we actually ended the trip. It was, it was super cool to end it that way, too. But one of my favorites, we were driving down, and there was two commercial guys. We were out there first fishing this area. And these two commercial guys come up with these guide fishermen. And, and these guide fishermen, you know, I feel sorry for them because they can't bait their own hook. They can drop it. And all they're doing is mooching. They're just dropping the line. And they're just, you know, when they get a fish, they pull it in. They're not allowed to touch the fish. They're not allowed to net the fish. They're not allowed to do. So they're just dropping a line, letting it go, and then reeling it in. That's all they get to do. And there's a boat full of them on this side and a boat full of them on this side. We go right through the middle of them, land three on at the same time, and we are hauling these fish in, and we drop the, because Larry was always like, as soon as you catch the fish, you need to be back in the water to catch more fish. I, I think it took us like five minutes to reel those fish in, catch them on, and get the bait back in the water, and we just kept on sailing right past those guys, and they all were doing this. So we went from being really bad to being actually pretty good out there, and we, we actually uh, did a nice job. You can go to the next slide. We actually got... Uh, a nice amount of fish. This was one day's catch. In the, the middle is the link cod. And then that's Larry over on the left. That's Luke and then Cody and then myself. But there, there is a reward when you follow this. There is a reward when you prepare yourself and you follow the instructions. It, that journey took us a little bit. We went from catching one fish to catching that every day. And so, we, you know, we actually gained respect from the veteran fishermen that were there. They're like, you guys are holding your own, you know, and not too bad. We walked away with 300 pounds of fillets. So we got fish afterwards. No, I'm just kidding. We should do that. But we, we did walk away with 300 pounds of meat. So we, we, we absolutely hit the target that we were going after. But I love this scripture. It says this in Revelations, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my re uh, recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Recompense meaning reward. Recompense meaning restoration. He's bringing back that to reward us for those who listen to him, who abide by his word, who listen to the journey he has prepared for us, who actually enable his Holy Spirit to be leveraged in our life, who find ways to mend. Remember, we had to mend the whole trip. We had to change our clothes. We had to change our approach. We had to change our bait. We had to change our attitude. We had to change many things to be successful. Well, guess what? Our journey in life is the same way, and God can help us mend. In this case, the fishermen helped us mend. In this case, God, the ultimate fisher of men, is, is trying to do just that. He's trying to help us understand. He's trying to help us be there. So I have this statement. I saw it. I thought it was really cool. What, we always kind of take the approach with the word of God and with God himself, and we always say, what can he do for me? Have you ever done that? What can God do for me in this scenario? What can God do for me in this situation? What can God do for me in my journey? What can God do? And maybe we should start to be thinking, what does he desire of me? What am I supposed to learn from this? What am I supposed to approach? How am I supposed to be an impact to others? How am I supposed to apply this? How am I supposed to grow? 
How am I supposed to develop? Anyway, super cool uh, experience in doing that and achieving the reward, ultimately, the success of the journey, if you will, taught us a lot. Now, we, we were hurting at the end. We were tired. Mentally, awesome. Physically, wore out. <laughs> hurting. Man, we had so many cuts on our hands. It hurt to just, like, run water over our hands because the braided lines, as you're grabbing the lines constantly for five days, you, you end up with these slices in your hand, like paper cut deep slices all throughout your hand everywhere. And we tried wearing gloves, trying not wearing gloves. It just was really hard to do, you know, but we were hurting in a lot of different ways. And then we... Stunk so bad. <laughs> it was so awful. In fact, one of uh, Rob, um, Josh's friend that was there with us, his bag was so nasty. And when we got to Ketchikan, he ditched it and got a new bag. It was awful. I, I literally grabbed it out of the van, and I was like, man, that thing is horrid. When that gets in an airplane, it is going to stink up everything. We were so nasty smelling. And, you know, you got five days of, fish guts and everything else getting on you, and, and then it, you never really wash it off. So it was, uh, it was quite the experience in that regard. Luckily, Cody and I found a, um, uh, at the Ketchikan, once again, spending the night on our way out because of weather, we found a nice uh, washer and dryer that we could at least throw the rain gear in that was so disgusting, and you're welcome because we ran it through twice, and it still was kind of smelly, but it was definitely a lot lower level of intensity. Uh, than it could have been. But we learned a lot. We experienced a lot. We got to see a lot. We got to understand a lot. For me, it creates applications in life upon leadership skills as well as life lessons. But I, such a correlation to the Word of God, such a correlation to the journey that God has us on. He put us on an adventure. All of you like adventure to some degree in different ways, but God put us on a, on a journey, on a trip uh, for this adventure. The last one I have for you, last slide I have for you is, is an important one I think that we have to. A key for me is, see this tranquil kind of look? That's me, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm trying to bottom fish. So I've cast. So the, the fun part about um, halibut fishing is you, you, you just sit. Like uh, the gentleman I was telling you about that loved the uh, halibut fish and got me to buy $400 worth of gear uh, that I didn't use really well. Um, him and his dad would go out. His dad was 83 years old. Him and his dad would go out halibut fishing all day long, and they would uh, turn on audiobooks, and they would just sit there and fish. And at times, if the tides weren't changing and too crazy, they could just turn the motor off and just sit there and fish. Now, I had two, you know, adrenaline junkies with me that weren't going to allow me to turn the boat off and listen to an audiobook and fish. But, but it was nice to be able to kind of sit and try that every once in a while. And, ca and when you're casting, you're... You're not throwing it, you're just dropping it. So you got this heavy weight, you, we call them cannonballs. They're like, some are two pounds, three pounds, and you're dropping these things, and they just go to the bottom. And when you fish for halibut, you're fishing on pinnacles. So the, the ground below you comes up to a dome, and those halibut kind of sit on the edge of that dome, and they're feeding as, as you know, food comes across that dome, they're feeding on that dome. And so you look for these pinnacles out there, and you're fishing on these pinnacles. And the only, the only part that's really hard is, like, you're, they're deep. Like, some are 250 feet deep. Some are 300 foot deep. So you're dropping a three-pound ball 350 foot deep. And when you need to adjust, you've got to reel that three-pound ball up. 20 minutes later, when you get it to the top, then you send it back down again. So it's, there's some work involved just in mending the line and, deep, and fishing deep sometimes. 
And so, you know, it was fun to be able to, to cast it. It's definitely not fun to carry it. So this is a uh, Rick Renner. Um, you guys know who Rick Renner is? He's got uh, these books on, uh, what is it called, gems, sparkling gems. And he does these devotionals super into the Greek, uh, and he, and he uh, takes scripture, and he gives you the Greek meaning behind it, gives you the true meaning and the emphasis behind the words. And so he did that uh, with this scripture about casting your cares. And I really, really like it. So the scripture itself, I forgot to write it up there for you guys. I apologize, but it's First Peter 5, 7. It's this, the scripture itself says, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. But Rick, I love his, his kind of, once you uh, interpret the Greek meaning of these words, he paraphrases it back and says this is the true meaning of what he's trying to say in the scripture. So this is, this is really how it should come across to us. Take that heavy burden, that difficulty or challenge that you are carrying, the one that has arisen due to circumstances that have created hardship and struggles in your life, and fling those worries and anxieties over onto the back of the Lord. Let him carry them for you. The Lord is extremely interested in every facet of your life and is genuinely concerned about your welfare. And he goes on in his uh, devotional to talk about, you know, we weren't made to carry the stresses and anxieties of this world. You're not. You're not. It never was intended for you to carry it. You can't. You physically aren't made to carry it. You have to learn to cast your cares. You have to learn to do exactly what he's talking about. And when he talks about throwing it over the back of the Lord, the reference of the term that's used in the scripture is the same reference when they were throwing um, the, um, the clothes and stuff on the, on the colt, on the donkey. It's the same reference. When they throw, they throw the, the, you know, the burdens of the weights onto the donkey, same thing, that the same word was used here, throwing and casting our cares upon him so that he can carry it instead of us. So just like my fishing trip, easy to cast, really hard to carry the burden back up. So, you know, good illustration, once again. In fact, when I was going back to, go back to the story, the last day we hit those 20-foot swells, um, they were going out to fish halibut. And uh, I started looking on the map, because once again, you have a depth finder with you. And I'm looking on the map as we're going to Japan, that some of these areas are like super deep. I'm like, guys, you know, it's hard to keep up with Larry, but also the, the depth of some of this stuff's like 350 feet deep. That's going to take us like a half an hour to reel this baby up. And then, and then once again, it the swells. So if you're on the bottom, you know, as the swell comes in, you're 20 foot off the bottom. Then you're on the bottom, then you're 20 foot off the bottom. So it's constantly adjusting at a pretty rapid rate. So we quickly moved away and said, y'all have fun uh, fishing for halibut. Let us know if you get one. We're going to go back and look for something else. So we, we made it off the 20-foot swells there after a little bit. But once again, the point being, um, if, you're, if you're pulling and you're, bur you know, you're trying to carry that burden and trying to take care of that burden, it's a, it's a, it's a tough haul. It, it takes away from the opportunity of hitting targets. That's how we viewed it. We were viewing it as... Um, you know, us trying to, you know, continually mend the halibut line, continue to pull it up was taking away from our time to achieve other targets that we were really prepared for and we were positioned for. And so we kind of backed away and kind of focused in on the things that we prepped for. Once again, know your target, understand your focus, execute, communicate, uh, and continue to adjust. Anyway, that, that was it. That's, that's all I really uh, had to share today. But I, I hope, hopefully you got something out of it. It's a good... It's always good, in my opinion, to tell a story and relate it. And I know most of you uh, or some of you may not be into fishing, and some of you may be into fishing. That's okay. The point was, in the illustrations, you can see God at work. You know, he's, he's that way in everything. 
God's inside of everything. If you start to look at how the earth functions, you see God. If you start to look at your journeys that you have in life, you see God. But, but you have to look for him. You, you definitely have to try to understand it. And you, once again, if you're not in the word and you're not praying and you're not communicating with God, it gets hard to get back on that true north. It's hard to stay mending the right way. It's hard to change and adjust so that you can hit your targets. And so I encourage you guys today, continue to embrace God. If you get anything out of this message today, it's that fear of the Lord, how powerful it is. I'll remind you once again, I just love, you know, how, how it kind of, and once again, he, the fear of the Lord is enduring forever. It can be taught. It's the beginning of wisdom. It leads to the knowledge of God. It prolongs life. It provides confidence. It is security. It leads to life. It leads to satisfaction. It gives you rest. It gives you safety. It provides riches. It provides honor. It provides life everlasting. Awesome, huh? Sandy.